We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit Romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit Jcastnetwork.org. Shabbos, everyone. Good Shabbos. Shabbos, good Shabbos. <laughs> as far as I can tell, there are some children here, and a couple of them are heading out to all the wonderful things that are happening. In our children's programming this morning, thank you to, to all of those volunteers like Rabbi Elster, wonderful, and other volunteers, thank you for your work this morning, helping to support the children and the children's services here, Mika and the rest of the team, on their way to the Romo Center. So long, farewell, we beat us and goodbye, we hate to see you go, but we must study. Okay, here we go. Oh, Diddy. All right, everybody, if you would and have a chumash in your possession, some one of these beautiful compendium of Jewish wisdom <clears throat> in your chumash, I want to say just like, y'all open up your Bible to page 1130, but I'd rather be more like a, my real roots, which is as a Rebbe. No... Would everybody please open up the 1130, the Chumash, the page 1130, page 1130, chapter 24, verse 14. <clears throat> I'm sure as we begin that each and every one of you is completely knows and has memorized all of the various laws that appear in chapters 22, 23, and 24 of your book of Deuteronomy. I know all of you have been tested. I don't, just, this is all just as a reminder to all of you, in case you might have forgotten what's found in this really amazingly beautiful and complicated and difficult and sometimes terrible piece of Torah. Begins uh, in chapter 22, and we studied this morning in our open book, we studied the part of the Torah that deals with war and you, and humane, somewhat humane practices during war. This Parsha is full of things like um, beautiful Torah, beautiful advice on how, or commandments on how to live a holy life. Things like, I'm just going to find a couple of them for you. All the way back here, a couple of different things. Here's one of the more beautiful moments in the Torah. If you see the ox of your neighbor, we talked about this last night, or his sheep, and they've gone astray, don't ignore it. Pick it up and bring it back to your fellow. If your fellow does not live near you, post it on Facebook. It's right there. <laughs> right, right there. Take a picture, upload it. I mean, honestly, that's the kind of, like, bring it into your house, hold on to it, and then when they realize they've lost something, they're going to come and get it. Torah has that in it. It's called Hashavat Aveda, returning a lost object. And there are 
like through the 2,000 years of Jewish history, there are anecdotes and stories of people. I mean, the Gemara is full of, the Talmud is full of stories of rabbis who, when they were dying and they were writing their last, their tzavah, they were writing their, um, help me, the tzavah, their last will and testimony, like, make sure you return this object, I borrowed it. Rav Kook has it in his last will and testimony. It's like, I borrowed a couple of books, they're in my library, here's where they are, I can't live thinking that I have something that belongs to somebody else. Like, honoring that deep structure. Okay, just gonna, that's one little piece. There are other pieces here about the, the sanctity of the human body, but here, we're lucky enough that the reading this morning, and for all of you who are here for the first time, for all of you who are here for the first time, this first of three callings up to the Torah of those who are in the community here is not for any one person, but for anyone to whom this teaching speaks. We call it the open up, you're free to come, and as we open up the Torah for you to come, it's an open aliyah, open up for you as well. Verse 14, back to page 1130, 1130, page 1130, verse 14. Don't abuse the wages or the laborer who is poor and destitute. How about that? Don't abuse workers who are either citizens of your country or those who are not. They're strangers. This is 2,000 years ago. Is it? It's now. It's the tomato workers in Florida. It's there are workers here in the city. There's the expose two years ago on the, the, the mostly Asian population of women who work in nail salons. Right? It's not, it's not like, oh, nice Bible, old, old people. No, what? This is now. Pay him on time. Pay them on time. Don't let the sun go down on them. Right? Don't let the sun go down on them. They, they don't know where their next paycheck is coming from. They don't, they're, they're living on, on the wages that they are depending on you, right? They don't have a big savings account. Pay them on time. Ki anihu. So the person is destitute. They are aniim. They're poor. Can you, is there a better phrase? In the whole Bible or any piece of, of our sacred literature, the love who no say et nafsho. It's to you that he now gives his soul. Your, his soul is in your hands. Her soul is in your hands. And God is looking, as it were, the Bible's language. God is looking and watching to see how you handle the vulnerable. Velo yikrai alecha eladunai. Don't be careful. Because, at least in the theology of the Bible, and certainly in the rabbis, you do not want to be someone that someone else is praying to God about in a bad way. In the Bible, at least, it's like, you don't want to be the one that God said, oh, I heard that you're not, you know, I heard from this poor person, because again, the God of the Bible hears poor people screaming. Right? That's the, that's the God's, like, here's my, my business card. I'm, I'm the God that heard my, the children of Israel. I didn't hear them until they started screaming, but when they screamed, it was over. And so like the Bible here in Deuteronomy says, you don't want to be that person who employs people in that way. That's not good. That'll be very bad for you. You will then incur guilt. 
So what do we do with this? I mean, obviously, for me and you, this could be, I mean, for me, I, I take this very seriously because I have people who work for me. How many people here have people who work for them? When you read this, do you think yourself, hmm? Or do you think, oh, good. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to actually, don't have to show of hands on that. But I think about that as a non-for-profit that lives often, you know, in our terms of our cash flow. And I find ourselves sometimes delaying wages because we don't have the money yet coming in. And I know that I feel as though in that moment I am over. I am transgressing this prohibition because our cash flow is not always great. You know, the people live that way. They live, right? They depend. We all depend, right? Pay me. I, I, I work my monthly rent out on that. I don't want, you know, check the balance or that kind of thing. I know that when I read this, I think not just about myself, but of course, again, I'm not getting, I'm not telling who I voted for, but certainly I would never personally want to hire or to put into office any elected official who is famously someone who didn't pay people on time. <clears throat> I, I wouldn't, that would, I mean, that, that to me sends an amazing signal right there. There's something very powerful happening in these psukim, in these verses that speak to power and vulnerability and how we use abuse and how, how important it is for us to make sure that we are connected with those who are dependent on us and what we do with that dependency. How about somebody here reading this not on its literal level because we could go, we could stay there and that could be it. But how about taking it for a moment into the allegorical or some other place? How in what in what way are we being told by the Torah to say to, to give something on time because somebody is depending on its timing? And if you don't, they're bereft. Let's say out of the employee employer dynamic. Yaitan. Speak up because Right, so it doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, we wouldn't want to narrow it, we want to expand it. It's not just someone who literally, right, if you don't give, if it's not paid on time, something might happen. But more broadly, right, anyone for whom you aren't being paid on time, it, it interrupts their life, right? There's a responsibility here. I mean, we could get stuck for a moment on, is it because the person, is your responsibility because they might become poor from it? Or is it your responsibility to pay somebody on time because you made a promise and you keep your promises? Those are two separate things to some degree, but maybe they're here clearly together. But I want to go beyond, again, I want to go beyond money because this is a very clear indication of a power dynamic based upon money. Where are other dynamics where someone is depending on something and you don't get it to them on time and the term might be also saying pay on time? Yes, Rabbi. Right, so not waiting until it's too late is the general theme here, right? When it's too late, it's too late. And so here, expanding it more broadly into the realm of the environment or the ecological disaster and, and the crisis that we are living in and how late it is already, right? We are back pay, back pay, back pay, back pay on this already. We owe, and this is, you know, to use Martin Luther King's amazingly brilliant image of a, of a check, right, that hasn't yet been cashed or that it hasn't yet been, there's, a, there's, a, we, the, the, we owe the earth. We owe, on so many levels, we owe the earth. And we can then, of course, take this into other systems of, of despoliation and of, of, of usage and abuse, whether it's, um, African Americans in this country and reparations, right? There, we, we, we owe a lot on a lot of levels across the board. And the Torah is saying, when you owe, pay on time because it won't get better.
Right? In this case, it's in the case of the Torah, the Torah is speaking for the poor one because the poor one doesn't have the voice. The Torah comes along and says, if I don't speak up, right, the people in power are not going to change anything. Right? Because they are vested in, you know what, I'll borrow money, I'll pay you, it doesn't matter to me, right, ultimately, because as long as I'm okay, I have a vested interest in maintaining my power. Right? That's the way it works. So thank you for expanding that. Yeah. Oh man, I'm telling you, every year when I read this before the Chagin, before High Holidays, I read this before the High Holidays, I think to myself, where are the places in my life where I owe somebody a compliment that I keep saying, oh, I'll give it to them? Yeah, I'll give it Like I thought, I mean, so, wow, that was really amazing that they did that, and I owe them, right? I really do owe them a debt of gratitude on some level. And they, and here in the Torah, like, maybe, in our life, maybe people don't care. Like, they'll say they don't care, whatever. But the Torah is like, oh, imagine somebody who really needs your reflection, who needs the good thing that happened, or something is being exchanged. Imagine how much that will mean to them. Emotionally, spiritually, on the egoic level, they just need it. They need that reflection. They needed that thing that you held back. So it's another, another expansion. Yes. So expanding this into the place of justice and like the, the amount of time between, right, since so someone has to be waiting to find something out, right, waiting to find something out. That's not a, a healthy state of, of, of anxiety, not knowing in that way. And if you do know something, or right, here money and knowledge here become, inter- like if you have a piece of knowledge that you owe them, don't wait on it, right? Because as they are, right, as time is moving along, their anxiety is building and something's breaking. Yes, I thought even your hand was up. Yeah, well, I was thinking about So whenever there's an agreement between two parties, it, that kind of breach or that kind of covenant establishes some relationship that is on some level we're binding ourselves by something. And the power dynamic here, it, it, it equalizes something. I have my responsibilities, you have yours. And so here to break that is to dehumanize in some way. And then that, that has ripple effects. Right? When we are dehumanizing people who work, especially in a work relationship, right? there is that potential to instrumentalize. There's no greater instrumentalizing than saying, you're working for me. I, I see you as a worker, right? I'm not really interested. I'm interested in your productivity, not in your personal story, necessarily. And so here, this abuse, this esek, this oshek, is really dehumanizing of the human being and the human that works. Um, and it has ripple effects. It has ripple effects. I'm going to take one or two more comments, and, and especially looking at this side of the room, because no one has yet said anything, or two people have said this other room, yes. And then we're going to come back to Wendy. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's, I mean, there's, there are all kinds of prohibitions on that. I mean, they're literally, the Torah, would, would, I, would, I can name three other prohibitions that, that a doctor is, is transgressing at that moment. But certainly, if we expand this, if you know something that will save someone's life or save them anxiety and emotional pain and grief, and you withhold it from them, it's abuse. It's oshek. Oshek. Wendy. The window closes. It can have long-term effects. It can impoverish them in a, in a profound way, on an emotional level as well. If there isn't that rapport, if there isn't that, as it were, the responsibility of the parent who has more power, towards the child, as it were, in this case, using a beautiful allegory of this being about the parent, the dyads or triads between parents and children, and how windows open and close, and that we have to be able to 
give them what we have that they don't, that they need, and we have, don't delay it. So I want to bring all these things together into one nice little, little bouquet here. So it is, of course, every single year, there is an opportunity to read this and to, and to read ourselves against it as we approach the high holidays, as we approach, really, the window in the year that kind of speeds everything up and makes it go much faster and also throws us with its velocity into questions of, of, of ultimate significance. Right? It's kind of happening so fast, but it's like, slow down so that you can become even more intense about life. So I want to read this Aliyah this morning with all of the valences. And first, the first I'd like, the first opening up and calling up will be for those of us who have employees that on the literal level here are making a commitment inwardly to really understand the dynamics of our own businesses and to really, really understand the impact of decisions that we have to ensure that the employees um, are paid with absolute precision. That's the first, a call to that kind of ethical and moral um, uh, elevation. The second calling up is for those of us in the community who are feeling that this Torah moment is speaking to you vis-a-vis -a, -vis a, a personal relationship, where you feel that there's a window open now because of the high holidays and you think, I have to, I have to pay it back or pay it forward now and not wait, and that that will entail this coming week doing something that you were deciding on this morning that you have put off doing. In the domain of, if I don't do it now, the window's gonna close, and this is my week window. This week is my window. That's for the second call. And the third call, and then, of course, anyone can come up, it doesn't matter if I, but the third call here is a much broader call, which is, in this continual relation between personal and political that all of us are called to navigate. Because people who say that religion and politics are bad together misunderstand what religion is and misunderstand what politics are, in my opinion. And it is certainly a call to a more ethical and moral society. And certainly I'm not a, uh, I'm certainly not a politician, I'm certainly not, I don't have a degree in political science, but I do know this, is that we in our country could do a lot better than we are doing around this issue. Right? And there are a lot of things that have to be named and spoken to and then actions that have to be taken in order to make it sure that, that there's a living wage for people who work, make sure that the playing field is more level and that, and that human beings, we put the human back in the workforce, that humans are there with real human needs. So I wanted to call that third one as a general like, oh my God, the Torah is speaking so much to our generation right now. And if you feel that call to come forward for any of that, or for your own reasons that only you alone know, please come up to stand with Torah this morning for this morning's open aliyah, open up. <laughs> 